You're listening to the Pure Fury Creations Entertainment Network. The views and opinions expressed on this episode are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the views, opinions, or philosophies of the PFC Entertainment Network or any of the affiliates that make this show possible. This show has also been rated M for mature audiences only. Uh, We are going to uh, tackle a genre of sorts. But you and I didn't have any clue what the hell we were going to do. We're going to talk about movies, we're going to talk about TV shows, we're going to talk about toys, we're going to talk about, you know, all the things that made this such such an important part. I love toys. I'm Jason Klaus. I'm Sean Grugel. And we are power tripping the 80s here on the pfc podcast network powered by anchor.fm hello everybody welcome to power tripping through the 80s here on the pfc entertainment network along with sean grugel i'm jason klaus we certainly appreciate you tuning in this week back in our respective studios, back in our normal format, back on our normal recording schedule. Uh, it is Saturday morning. He is in his home studio in Holly, Michigan. I am in my home studio in Grand Blank. Um, Sean, we, um, you know, it was late dropping last week, but we got it out there, power tripping through the 90s live uh, as uh you know, we went we went into it very optimistic, very hopeful. We were able to get some things recorded. They are uploaded, and um, you know, this is kind of our first time being able to revisit that. So now that that particular event is in the rear view, what was your takeaway from a very fun night over at Backroads Bar and Grill in Holly, Michigan, for power tripping into the nineties? I still don't remember shit about the 90s. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the costumes were cool, man. Uh, I, I hate to admit it. I I still say we had the best costumes of the night being Jay and Silent Bob, um, even though Bob wasn't so silent. And uh, but no, there was that some, got over huge, didn't it? Oh, especially when uh, Jay started dancing to Jungle Love up on stage. <laughs> um it was it was a good time man honestly you say you were optimistic i was hesitant because the 90s weren't my thing uh straight up when i say i don't remember the 90s i absolutely don't remember the 90s and it's not because of a a drug-induced haze it was just a whirlwind of activities that was happening in my life at that point in time 
We had the Spice Girls show up. We had Cher from Clueless show up. We had, uh, who was it? It was either Salt or Pepper from Salt and Pepper show up. I mean, the costumes. Julia were Roberts. From, two Julia Roberts. Seven. That's right. <laughs> we we had the 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 hooker version and the tame version. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it. It, it was it was cool to see all the costumes. Uh, I, I know Gary and Tina were very very happy with the outcome. I mean, there was a line to the bar. Um, I'm th- I'm thinking Gary maybe should start sharing the profits with Power Tripping through the '80s here. And <laughs> I mean, it, I, I digress. It, it was a good time, and thank you, Gary and Tina, for having us out. I feel like going for going forward with these types of things. I feel like we need to have our own personal waitress you know yeah there, there, there's no goddamn reason why us <laughs> why we should have to wait through a segment and a half to get a goddamn beer but i say that tongue-in-cheek i don't i'm not being i'm not being mean about it like but that's a good problem to have because that lets us know we brought in you know a lot of people for the for that particular event and gary and tina you know they roll the red carpet out for us and you know it's it's a win-win for everybody you know they're we're all there to have a good time that was very much on display i just you know like i said i you know we have x amount of time in between segments so it's like i got time to running up and grab a beer and haul ass back and then put the shit back on and here we roll um that's that's kind of the only thing that i um i would i would like to see changed in terms of the you know the format and stuff of that nature but uh back roads you know it's a very cool place and uh you know i'm looking forward to furthering that relationship with gary and tina and you know everybody there everybody there is super cool you can go back listen to it in the archives uh we kept we kept as much of the content um as we possibly could some of it had to be edited for one reason or the other but we tried to maintain uh the structural uh, integrity of the show very well put yeah so i mean we we did the best we could you know so we'll see what happens moving forward. But uh, speaking of Holly, speaking of our involvement in Holly, I guess we'll go ahead and talk about it here. Um, it's already been announced real quick before we get into the topic. We do have a topic this week. Um, we are going to be part of another pretty big event that's going to be happening uh, in your neck of the woods coming up uh, June the 10th, I believe it is, uh, the Pride in the Park event. And uh, we have been tagged in on this, Sean. So uh, this is something that you are obviously more familiar with than I, um, just because I've never been a part of of an event of this nature. But uh, I had a a very good conversation with with Kristen Watt, who is part of the team that's heading this thing up. Uh, You heard that yesterday here on uh, the PFC Entertainment Network as this show drops uh so real quick i mean what can we expect on june the 10th when we take part of uh pride in the park well uh obviously pride in the park is exactly what the name implies it is a celebration of the lgbtq community um i am a strong advocate for that community 
I am a volunteer free dad hug guy. Uh, I have volunteered my services to the LGBTQ community. If like their parents, you know, let's face it, in this day and age, parents will turn their backs on their children when they make a decision that they don't agree with as to who they love or who they want to be with. So I have volunteered to step in place to, you know, play play the role of, you know, like the father giving away the bride or groom. Um, you know, this, this is something I feel uh, very, very strongly about. I, I believe that people should, and I'm not going to get on my podium. I'm just going to, you know, make this real quick. Uh, pe people have a right to love who they want. People have a right to be with who they want. And it's not for anyone else to decide who or what they should be with. Um, if a person identifies, I've said it before, as a ceiling fan and they're happy living as a ceiling fan, by God, be a ceiling fan. If you're not impeding on my rights and I'm not impeding on yours, do what you got to do. And this is what this is. It's a celebration of that. Uh, there's going to be many prominent uh, speakers at this function. Uh, Jerry Narsh, uh, former uh, chief of police for Lake Orion, current chief of police for Holly, Michigan. I believe uh, Representative Dave Coulter is going to speak, and a few other speakers are going to be there. Uh, there's going to be live music. There's going to be, I believe, face painting. There's going to be giveaways. It, it's just this whole celebration. And it's not just for the LGBTQ community. It's for everybody in the community who, you know, ju just loves... You know, as uh, 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 oh God, I can't think of his name. Anyway, everybody love everyone. You know, uh, and, and that's what the celebration is about. And I, I feel very honored to be asked to have Power Trip through the '80s be a part of this celebration. You can find out all the information in the weeks leading up to this to on our Facebook page. Just look for Power Tripping Through the 80s as well as ClawsToTheHeart.net, which is currently the official website of the PFC Entertainment Network. I'm in the process of getting that switched over so it's a more universal name, you know, domain name. Uh, it's a process, pal. You know what I'm saying? But uh, much like you, man, I share your 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 sentiments on this whole thing, and I'm fully I'm fully on board with this, and I too am very uh, proud, you know, to be a part, to be asked to be a part of this thing. Seems to be a lot of excitement whenever you and I are involved in anything here recently. So hopefully we we can maintain that momentum. So uh, June the tenth, uh, Holly, Michigan, Pride in the Park. Check it out over on Facebook. Uh, before we get into the topic this week, and it is going to be a little bit of a heavier one, is there anything else you want to throw out there before we, we start diving into, into some serious shit here? I do. Okay. <laughs> so this goes to all the ladies out there, especially my wife. When it comes to a bald man getting ready to go out because I've recently become bald again, mm -hmm. it don't take just a splash of water on the head to get you out the door. I'm learning a few things here. And now I have this, this beard, this quaff of hair on my face, if you will, that apparently no one ever noticed before because I went for our power tripping through the 90s party. I darkened it up. Mm -hmm. True story, Cassandra Ray looked at me the first day I darkened up my beard, 
and she says to me, oh, I really like your beard that length. That, that's a good look on you. And I says, Cassandra, I've always had a beard. The problem is, is the son of a bitch was so white, it was almost transparent and you couldn't see it. And, <laughs> I can uh, relate. So, <laughs> so now that people can see the beard, I have beard wax. I have beard oil. I have like oh, beard geez, styling, Joe. <laughs> if I don't, I look like I, I, I've pissed on an electrified fence. I mean, the shit just, it's worse than having a head of hair. I, I'm taking longer to get ready to go out and do things than my wife now because I have to go outside and be this beautiful. I mean, being a presence on power tripping through the eighties, I have to present myself in this manner. Now I'm telling you what people, this show, it, it may be fun for you to listen to, but it's a chore to represent this show and be as beautiful as Jason and myself. Just wanted to put that up. Oh, I got something else too. <laughs> Okay. My name is Sean Grugel, and I'm a Zagnut addict. Thanks, Jason. <laughs> you texted me a picture last night. <laughs> Dude, like, for me to laugh on, you know, for me to laugh in general here lately has been nothing short of a challenge and it takes things like that to where it, it was it was that and like i had sent you a clip from the editing process of last week's show that i that just busted me up but uh, <laughs> you, you sent you sent me the picture of this great big ass box full of zag nuts and like it warmed my heart i'm so glad i could have that kind of influence on you <laughs> yes yes you you're, you're packing on the pounds on already a heavy pounded body thank you very much <laughs> i'm happy to assist you with that now the the million dollar question is you know for the longest time it was you know i was on the hunt for zagnut you were lo you were looking for clark bars you found your clark bars we found the zagnut well actually matt maybon found it for us you went and got them uh so does now does zagnut overtake clark bars in, in your mind i don't even know what the hell a clark bar is anymore okay so <laughs> fair enough yeah. don't don't get me wrong the clark bar was a delicious treat but let's just say you can take a Zagnut bar and I mean, it, it, it has elevated the Clark bar to levels unbeknownst to me previous. So I got to catch up. I got, I got 48 years of Zagnut bars. I got to start eating. So. Great. I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad I could have that kind of, I, I look to be an influence in people's lives. I just didn't realize it, it was going to be because of fucking Zagnut bars, but here we are. And I'm, I'm here for it. I, I bought five below out of every fucking Zagnut bar they had. <laughs> I, I bought 16 of those bitches. It cost me $24, and I am over the moon that I still got 15 more left. <laughs> All I'm saying is, is I'm taking one of them here. You know, if we, if we meet up later on this afternoon, I'm taking one, at least one of them sons of bitches off your hand, just saying. I wish, there. <laughs> I wish more more stores had them available, and it's a goddamn shame that they don't. But who thought that coconut and peanut butter would ever go together? That's ridiculous. It's like peanut butter and bologna. 
Oh, don't make come sense. On. What is wrong with you? Why? You, how can you say? I can't. <laughs> I'm just saying it don't go together. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But like Beetlejuice loves it. And I'll tell you, it was because of the movie Beetlejuice that I actually had my first Zegna because he used it as, you know, to entice that big ass fly to come in and for him to take him down underneath the model and who knows what the fuck happened underneath there. But to be but, fair, Beetlejuice didn't love the Zagna. He loved eating that big ass fly. Just putting it out there. And I don't see you eating any big ass flies. So not right now, but you know, apparently that's where our food chain is heading towards. I mean, that could be a topic for another day, but yeah. I got in oh, a yeah. really weird conversation with a, a buddy of mine at work about this. Like insects are becoming the new delicacy in terms of, uh, you know, be, uh, anyway. Hey, I've ate crickets before. They're crunchy. That's how the goddamn thing started was he asked me <laughs> if I had eaten crickets. And I was like, absolutely not. He's like, well, you're fixing to. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's how that's how the conversation started. Because, you know, because they, they can't. They can't produce enough cows based on the amount of people in the world. And if you do get that many cows, you're letting all that methane and, and, you know, we're like killing our planet because of cows. And that's how it all started. And now there's this mad rush to find ulterior ways of food. The impossible burger from Burger King was brought up and it, it triggered this conversation where insects are going to become the new hamburger. I swear to God, if we start selling insect burgers at my store, I quit. I'm I'm no longer going to be a meat department manager. I can hear it now. Do those cricket legs have bones in them? <laughs> Fuck you, lady. Go to you, Scan. Get out of here with your banana nut muffins and your... Clark bars. <laughs> I, I feel like, uh, you know, it's funny you say that too, because b banana nut muffins was another topic of conversation. <laughs> why, why do banana muffins always have to have fucking nuts on them? What if you don't like nuts, but you like banana, you like muffins. Why do, why do they always have to have nuts? In them? Why? Because nuts are delicious. Depends. Depends. Well, not in my world. Okay. In, Sean, well, in Sean's world, let's go on everything. Okay, well, fuck me then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> right. What is happening? We are going completely off the rails. Like, we came into, this, into our studios today with, with a topic on hand, and it's not a jovial one by any stretch of imagination. But. Well, speaking of nuts, let's talk about Mark David Chapman, shall we? <laughs> There's your segue. <laughs> there it is. All right. We decided this week we were going to tackle um, a more serious topic. And Sean and I were going back and forth on, okay, what what do we want to talk about this week? Because, you know, we don't have live events coming up, you know, right now or this week. And we didn't, you know, we're pretty particular about what we do with our content. Because if we're going up to the week of a live event we want to keep things light fun because we don't want to portray ourselves as doom and gloom but let's be honest man you look at the decade of the 1980s and yeah there was a lot of cool shit that happened but there was a lot of not so cool shit that happened too 
and that that defined and were were pivotal pivotal moments of the decade. Now, I pitched two two different ideas to Sean. Uh, one, he didn't have a tremendous amount of knowledge or feelings about one way or the other. The other one, he had a little bit more. I'm like, well, let's combine the two because they fall under a general umbrella. Now, gun violence has been a thing that we have dealt with for as long as we can remember. And it takes things on a national, if not worldwide scale for for people to have a conversation about it. Now, in more recent years, sadly, it's all, you know, it revolves around the school shootings and all these innocent kids and, you know, people, teachers, administrators that are being gunned down, they're being injured because of gun violence. But like, that's been a thing for a long, long time. It doesn't, it doesn't get brought up until something rattles us as a nation, it seems like. I think, you know, Marilyn Manson talks about in one of his songs, because I'm, I'm a big Manson fan, you know, the, the, the death of one is a tragedy, but the death of a million is a statistic. And that phrase speaks fucking volumes, you know, and it really kind of makes you think about the way things are right now. Are you now, talking about lunchbox? No, it was one it was on the Golden Age of Grotesque album. Um Fight Song, I believe it is. Okay. I, I believe it's the Fight Song. Um you know, and I realize Manson is not everybody's cup of tea, but make absolute zero mistake about it. That is one of the most intelligent people you will ever fucking listen to. You take away the makeup, you take away all of his shock jock shit, you take away, you get down to the human being of who he is behind Marilyn Manson, and that motherfucker is intelligent. I will sit here there and listen to him for hours because I don't want to agree with everything he says, but he makes a lot of goddamn sense too, you know? So back on track here, and I know I went off on the sidebar, but that's kind of what we do. Oh no, uh, Marilyn Manson's okay. I mean, uh, my 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 former boss is a huge Manson fan, and I think I've gone and seen Manson four or five times myself with General Dave. So, and you're right, he he talks about bullying and <laughs> violence, and I mean, let's face it, there are those songs out there, as you said, you know. Uh, I don't like the drugs, but the drugs like me, he's talking about addiction, but other people will construe that in other ways. You know, it's, uh, it's just a matter of, uh, personal interpretation. Very good. Very, very well said. Um, and, and, and you're right. He, you know, he, he either, he either appeals to you or he doesn't. There is no in between with guys like him and zombie and sidebar. The last concert I went to with my brother was, Manson and Zombie at Pine Knob in 2019. Last concert I, I went to with Jeff. Um, so that those two hold a very special place for me for a number of reasons. That's obviously a big one. Now, um, getting back on, you know, in in our time frame here, the 1980s and gun violence and things of this nature, like you can pinpoint 
a lot of different things that happened during that decade that this falls under. You, you know, it just isn't talked about like like it is nowadays. And if you do a little bit of deep diving, you do a little, a little bit of research, you start picking up on these different things. But there's two instances, Sean, that brought our country to a standstill uh, in terms of gun violence because the victims or the intended victims were world-known people. And when I say worldwide known, like it's not just because, oh, they did this or that. Well, one, one was the sitting president of the United States. The other one was one of the founding members of arguably, arguably, one of the most famous bands that have ever recorded music in the world, okay? We're going to do this chronologically so that there's no, oh, well, you cared more about this than this. No, fuck that. That's, that's bad. No matter how you slice it, it's bad. We're going we're gonna to tackle these two things in chronological order. And it starts... <clears throat> On December the 8th, 1980, and I realize, you know, to some people that date is etched in stone in their minds because they were a particular, they were a fan of this particular individual. I'm talking about the murder of John Lennon. John Lennon was, he and Paul McCartney were, I mean, they were considered the driving forces behind the, the creation and the success of the Beatles. The Beatles came across my radar very, very early on because my mother was a huge Beatles fan as a young girl. And that, like, she never lost that. Like, I grew up on the Beatles. I grew up on the Monkees. I grew up in all the 60s. You know what I'm saying? Like, all the music that that happened. Now, when you and I were talking, Sean, I mentioned, like, what do we talk, what if we talk about John Lennon? And... I don't like using the word assassination with his death. You know, a lot of people do. And I guess in some regards, it is an, an assassination. But for for all intents and purposes, we brought up the murder of John Lennon. And you said, you know, you the Beatles weren't really a thing with you. Um, did, I mean, did you pick up on that, like, right out of the gate when you first started hearing their music? Or how did the Beatles come across your radar that you can re recall? Uh, Oldies 104.3 was my dad's station back in the day. Um, WOMC. WOMC. And uh, the Beatles music. See, my mom, uh, let's face it, when we got to the 80s, it was, you know, Gloria Gaynor. It was... Uh, you know, Madonna, you know, all, all the pop singers of the 80s, that's primarily what my mom listened to. My dad, on the other hand, it, it was skewed, but my dad loved Elvis, uh, and but country music, you know, old country, Juice Newton, Kenny Rogers, Merle Haggard, you know, those type of uh, individuals. The Beatles, for me, um... And this is going to sound completely crazy, but then later when I watch the documentary, I know I'm not. Uh, I was more of a Monkees fan than I was the Beatles. And, I can relate. 
Yeah, and come to find out that the monkeys were actually created to compete pretty much head to head, to head with the Beatles. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I think the Beatles are probably, and I'm going to get a lot of heat for this. The Beatles are probably, in my opinion, my personal opinion, one of the most overrated bands in the history of rock music. If a Beatles song comes on the air, nine times out of ten, if I know it, I won't turn it necessarily, unless it's like Hey Jude or something like that, because I'm not really into those slow, mellow-type songs. But I don't go out of my way to look for a Beatles uh, song anyway. It come up on my Facebook memories here two <laughs> days ago. I found the Beatles White Album at a, I don't know, a resale shop. I got it for a song, and as soon as I got it, I turned it right around and sold it for $80. So I guess in that regard, I like the Beatles because <laughs> I can make a little money off of them. But, but in the same instance, I've never been a fan of their music. Uh, there is one song, and it stands out for me, and you're going to kind of relate to this, I believe. There, there's a song that isn't a Christmas song that the Beatles sung. And the reason why I love it so much is my dad got tired of listening to Christmas carols and he turned on oldies 104.3 and the Beatles yellow submarine was playing on Christmas morning as we were opening up gifts. And that memory has always stuck with me. So every Christmas morning, I still will play the Beatles yellow submarine to kind of remember you know, what my dad did back then, you know, because it kind of arbored those Christmas feelings for me. I love that story. Thank you for sharing that. And I I can, I can understand why that resonates with you. I, and I, I can see the argument where Todd Gilbert and Brett Fortney talked about this a little bit ago, a number of weeks back on Hanging with the Hitman, which appears on Mondays here on, on the network. Uh, you know, the, the, the comparison and contrast of the Beatles, whether you were a fan of them or whether you weren't, uh, the white album that you, that you described, uh, for whatever reason that, that one album is among a very elite group of what's considered the, the greatest recordings of all time. It's up there with Michael Jackson's thriller. It's up there with uh, born in the USA. It, I mean, there's a number of different albums that are a notch above, you know, the more recent years, like Metallica's black album achieved that, that kind of status too, because it was just so well received. The white album, a generation before, uh, was that for the, for the Beatles, because it was, a such a change in direction based on what they had been when my when my mom was a young girl because they were very cookie cutter they were very i mean they were influential but like they were very clean cut they were you know they there was no radicalism associated with the beatles until the white album came out because this is when they started letting their hair grow out and their beards came in and like it was their presentation was a stark contrast to what they looked like when they first came over here from the United Kingdom. They were doing Ed Sullivan and all this other shit, right? Now, eventually the Beatles break up. And like Paul McCartney and, well, I mean, all four of them went out and tried to achieve their own solo success. George Harrison 
and Ringo Starr. Uh, you know, they they had some success. You know, it wasn't like they just vanished into obscurity, but they weren't achieving the level of success that Paul McCartney and John Lennon had. Now, the controversy comes, from my understanding, and this is based on my mom's take on it, because, like I said, she was a huge fan. She did, you know, anything about the Beatles she knew about. Uh, a lot of the controversy that led to the breakup of the Beatles centered around John Lennon's marriage to Yoko Ono. And, and she was very much uh, put, in, put in the crosshairs of millions of fans around the world that she is the reason why the Beatles broke up because she didn't want Lennon to be affiliated with the other three and to do the touring and all the other shit that like, they had reshifted their focus as to why they make music. Now, it is Lennon's time during his, during his run with the Beatles that would ultimately lead to um, Mark David Chapman forming this, I don't want to say rivalry, but like started triggering these ill feelings towards Lennon because it is during a 1966 interview that John Lennon made the controversial comment, and I'm paraphrasing here, that the Beatles were more popular than Jesus. And that set off a fucking firestorm like you would not believe. You got to think back in the 60s, you know, where religion was and, and people's belief in God is a lot more prominent than what we see nowadays. So for him to come out and say, hey, the Beatles are more popular than Jesus Christ, um, you've put yourself on the radar and for not the right reasons. Would you agree with that or no? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was doing a little bit of research this morning and I saw, uh, Mark David Chapman was jealous of the success of John Lennon and, you know, uh, the, the, the fact that he, he, he did say those words, um, kind of going back to what you said about the Beatles, going into the White Album. I think that's another reason why I always looked more towards the Monkees than the Beatles, because when the Beatles started going into the White Album, that's when the Monkees went into head. Yeah. And uh, so the popularity of the Monkees, for me, superseded the Beatles, but not according to Mark David Chapman. And, uh, you know, he had access to firearms. I mean, he was a former security guard. And, you know, he, he was able to uh, infiltrate, I guess, uh, his, his way uh, to, to John Lennon <laughs> easier. The, the thing of it is with John Lennon, though, I mean, he was doing so much good for the world. I mean... Especially when the song Imagine come out, I mean, it, it broke all kinds of records and, and was worldwide. Um, and I think a lot of people look past the Yoko Ono thing at that point. I, honestly, I, I've always said this about John Lennon, though. I think him his marriage to Yoko Ono was more political than it was relationship-based. And I, I think that's what set a lot of people off against John Lennon and Yoko Ono. And then Yoko Ono trying to start her own musical career, just yikes. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. 
you know, and that I I feel like that's why people shit on Yoko Ono as much as they do because she was perceived to be not only just a, like like a shit starter and she's the one that destroyed the Beatles, but it was like she was using in John what, as a stepping stone. Exactly. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. Like she created this mess over here and she was going to try to use that as a catapult to her own levels of success. And in the meantime, pull Lennon away from a very established lifestyle, a very established career. And like people look at her as the reason why all of this shit happened with, with the breakup because she poisoned his mind, but for her own self-worth and all this other shit launching her own music career like i couldn't stand listening to the woman talk i can only imagine what the fuck her singing her singing voice sounds like but be that as it may you never heard uh, it nope Ooh, you you probably should one time uh listen i'm still trying to eradicate fucking mr t and his rap song out of my head. I can't put Yoko Ono on top of that. It'll make my head explode. I, I have I, no doubt. For from and this is not me being mean. This is me being a hundred percent serious. If you were to take your full size pickup truck mm-hmm. and run over and stop on the tail of a cat, <laughs> that is the exact sound you get out of Yoko Ono. And I am not exaggerating. And I, you know, something I would love for Todd and Brett to basically break down the singing style of Yoko Ono one of these times and get their thoughts on that. That would be oh, hilarious. Yeah, let me go ahead and write that down real quick. <laughs> like, I, they, I, they I, talk I about music that. all the time. And if they were to discuss, like, probably the worst singers of all time who actually made it, so to speak, into the public limelight, Yoko Ono would have to be on top of that list, I would imagine. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's dive into this. It happens on December the 8th, 1980. John Lennon is walking out of his apartment in New York City. Um, the Dakota is the name of the building that, that he's living in. Uh, Mark David Chapman, an American Beatles fan who was you know, jealous and enraged by Lennon's rich, rich lifestyle, uh, comes up from behind him and fires off a handful of shots. Four, four of the five of them uh, strike Lennon in the back. They take him to the hospital. He's he's pronounced dead on arrival when when he gets there. Now. It's my understanding that he was inspired by a fictional character uh, by the name of Holden Caulfield uh, from a novel called The Catcher in the Rye, a phony killer that loathes hypocrisy. And that's what his biggest issue with Lennon was. He felt like he was a hypocrite. And, you know, there's no telling what goes on in a person's mind when they have conceded to the fact that what they're fixing to do is the right thing. Like they're doing the world a favor. Um, You know, radicalism on any level is probably one of the most scariest things that we will ever encounter because you, by and large, you don't reason with people like that. You know, and there's some sort of disconnect there. You know, and this is a dude that was married. This was, and I'm talking about Chapman, 
Um, you know, he by and large seemed like he had most of his shit together, but it was just whatever reason this this vendetta that he had with John Lennon it, it, in his mind he justified it like he was doing the world a favor by murdering this man, and it happened in the archway of this fucking apartment building. Um, well, the thing with John Lennon, it's so funny that, you know, uh, Chapman thought he was such a hypocrite. A lot of Lennon's solo career was based on, you know, stopping wars. And, you know, um, he donated thousands of dollars to these different causes. But that song... Uh, all you need is love. Wasn't that a song that he come up with? And all the proceeds went to, you know, helping people and whatnot. I, I don't know where Chapman thought he was being a hypocrite, unless you kind of look at him marrying Yoko. Because, like I said, I, I still look at that as like it was a political stance and not so much as a relationship based uh, relationship. You know, but why that would trigger someone why it would flip a switch in someone's head to go i'm gonna go kill him is is beyond me it's kind of ridiculous yeah it really is and it makes absolute zero sense but as you can imagine when news of this starts to spread it starts a nationwide worldwide mourning session and I, I was talking to my dad about this not all that long ago because i knew this was going to be a topic that we were going to cover on the show here. I asked him, you know, where were you when you found out that John Lennon had been shot and killed? And he, like millions of other people, because if you look on the calendar of December 8, 1980, you will realize it falls on a Monday night. My dad watching Monday night football on ABC. And I believe it was the... Uh, Going into the fourth quarter, by by the time the news breaks, Howard Cosell, arguably the most prolific sports commentator in a generation, stops what he's doing as they're calling the game. Uh, Houston Oilers and I believe the Raiders were playing. I may have that wrong, but I feel like that's what that was the game that was on TV that night. Howard Cosell stopped broadcasting and announced to the world that Lennon had been shot and killed. You can actually go to YouTube and watch that piece of footage. And you can hear it in his voice, uh, Cosell's I'm talking about, that something monumental had happened. And for them to break into the, a professional football game with that tells you what kind of reach John Lennon and the Beatles had. Would would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Ah, absolutely. My leg's asleep. Um, oh, hell's bells. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. I'm sorry. Um. Yeah, but back then, to stop a major sporting event, to break in with some news was completely unheard of. Yeah. And you have to keep in mind that John Lennon's influence spanned over 20 years at this point for the start of the Beatles. Um you know, may, maybe later in his career, a lot of people, like I said, held him in a controversial light. But at the same time, you can't argue with the man's contributions 
to uh, charitable efforts around the world. And that just shows you, as you said, the reach and power that John Lennon actually had. Um, and I'll, I'll take it one step further. I think John Lennon, uh, at the height of his solo career, was bigger than Paul McCartney. And uh, and I can't argue that in the fact that I don't think, Mac I mean, McCartney had wings, right? Right. But I don't think McCartney really took off until like 84, 85 when he started uh, his solo stuff and did Say, Say, Say with Michael Jackson. And what was it? That was the Thriller? Was that the Thriller album? It was, yep. Yeah. So uh, Lennon was more political and more forward to the public, I feel, at that point than any other member of the Beatles. And for Mark David Chapman to do what he did, uh, it stopped the world, as you said. And pretty, pretty, uh, for lack of a better term, pretty selfish on Mark David Chapman's part to take, take a man's life that was so influential to the rest of the world. And what he did is he etched his name in a very ominous chapter in history books that go up there with John Wilkes Booth, Lee Harvey Oswald, um, all of these assassins, for the lack of a better term, that took out very prominent men, very prominent figures in the world, and you nailed it. Stopped the world for, for a moment or two. People are going to know this man's name forever, and not for the right reasons at is all. Is he still alive? If he, is he still in prison? He is. Yeah, okay. I, I just looked it up. He, you know, he he was charged with second degree murder. Um, got twenty years to life in prison. Uh, I I don't know if he's ever getting out. To, to be perfectly honest with you, I know he had been up for parole a couple of times, or they were toying with the idea. But it's my understanding that he is still incarcerated. Um, probably, probably a good thing. Probably that's where he needs to be for the the remainder of his days. I feel like he, at this point, he's got to be around 66, 67 years old. So, I mean, he's on borrowed time, right? Well, so. regardless, uh, oh boy, you know, I know this is going to be a subject on the heat vent with <laughs> Levi Blue. Hinkley shouldn't even be a not Hinkley. I'm sorry. We'll get to him in a minute. Yeah. Uh, Chapman shouldn't even be a burden to the taxpayers at this point. I, oh man. I'll save him for the heat fit, but damn it. If it's, if it's cut and dry, you killed somebody, you shouldn't be around yourself. Just my opinion that, and that'll be a subject on a heat vent <laughs> going forward. That's for damn sure. Uh, check out our listings for upcoming <laughs> events of the Heat that appear Friday here on the uh, PFC Entertainment Network. Um, all right, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's focus on March 30th, 1981. <laughs> Between December 8th, 1980 and March 30th of 81, I mean, we're talking about weeks at this point. You know, I mean, a handful of months, less than a handful of months between these two. And we had, our nation saw something unfold that hadn't been attempted um, on a, oh, what do I say here? 
what's the right way to say it? A presidential level? Well, it's there. There was an there was an attempt on Gerald Ford's life. Yeah, that's but true. But it it wasn't as documented as what we saw in Dallas, Texas, in November of '63 with the assassination of John Kennedy. March 30th of '81, uh, cameras were very much. Uh, all over the place and rolling as an attempt was made on President Ronald Reagan's life as he was walking out uh, to his car. Uh, this is John Hinckley Jr., who is the alleged uh, would-be assassin. Now, what sticks out to me about this particular story, aside from the fact it was a calculated attempt to take out the president of the United States that we had not seen or our nation had not seen since 63 with the assassination of JFK. But the motive behind trying to take out President Reagan is probably one of the, and I'll go ahead and say it, crucify me all you want, because there is no right reason or wrong reason in my opinion, but this is probably the dumbest fucking thing I had ever heard when I even when I was in school and we were learning about this, like this was a date in history that was pounded on us in junior high. You know, this is the day that somebody tried to kill President Reagan, and here's why. To gain the attention of an actress, in this case, Jodie Foster. Um, now, by this time in 81, Jodie Foster was very much still very new to Hollywood. Like she had, she had a breakout role in the movie Taxi Driver. Uh, this dude Hinckley forms an obsession with her, and for whatever reason, he thinks he's going to garner her attention and to gain her love, her love and affection. And I don't mean to laugh because this is not funny, but it's just the absurdity of it. That, that assassinating the president of the United States somehow or another in this dude's fucked up wiring in his brain is going to garner the love and attention of Jodie Foster. What is your take on this? Um, we just had something like this happen here last year. There wasn't a murder involved, but we did have a case of obsession where a person tried to kidnap another prominent figure, and it's going to go back to wrestling, with uh, Sonia Deville. Mm -hmm. um, why a person feels that they can, I want to say something other than break the law. Um, it's like a magnet. I don't think you can attract good with evil. And if you have evil intentions to attract good, nothing's good is going to come out of it. So Jodie Foster, um, yeah, wasn't she in like some Disney movies at that point in time? Yeah. I mean, just, just a young, young woman. Um, but here's what I don't get. And I'm kind of jumping the gun here. When Hinckley went after the president, he not only shot Reagan, he, what was it? He got, uh, he, he killed, he killed a guy. Uh, right. wasn't like the, 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 
He he killed a guy, and he's out. How how can you be on a prison? Number one, he he was guilty due to reasons of insanity. He killed a guy, went after the president, and they released him last year. Yeah. Um, what we're referring to is is during the assassination attempt, three other men were wounded. Not count, not counting the gentleman who passed away, but um, White House Press Secretary James Brady, Secret Service Agent Tim McCarthy, and Washington D.C. Police Officer uh, Thomas De- Delaney were all wounded. Now, um, James Brady is by and large the one that's really fucked up here because his injuries caused brain damage and he was permanently disabled. Uh, his death in 2014 was considered a homicide because uh, it was ultimately caused because of the injury that he sustained in the shooting. Um, there was a brief amount of time when Reagan was taken to the hospital. Not a lot of people realize this or not, you know, or, or they, do, they do or they just don't acknowledge it. But there was a, uh, a window of time there when he was in the hospital they took the power of president away from him and george hw bush was running was running the fucking country now a lot of people know that yeah but i mean that's that goes hand in hand with when these things happen but they didn't think that that didn't get talked about because they're more worried about is reagan dead okay he's not dead he's awake he's recovering he's going to be fine it broke a rib you know, I went in through through like his armpit or something like that, wound up breaking a rib uh, upon impact. But, you know, by and large, he won't he winds up making a full recovery relatively soon. And, you know, back to Hinckley here, he was found not guilty because of insanity. So he was institutionalized. That's what uh, it was. And. <laughs> It's just, it's one of those things where for us, you and me, people like us, we try to apply common sense, you know? And when you get in situations like this, it seems like common sense is one of the things that is the first thing to get thrown out the window for whatever reason, for whatever reason. Now, the news of Reagan's assassination attempt obviously makes worldwide headlines. In the contrast to when Lenin was killed, like they broke in during, like Howard Cosell did like a live read during the Monday night football, I almost said raw, Monday night football broadcast. Uh, Reagan's assassination attempt, like they shut everything down, ABC News, NBC News, CBS, Broken special report. You know when you heard that iconic music, shit stopped. You knew something major was happening. You either got Tom Brokaw or Peter Chinese or Dan Rather on our screens. We interrupt your program to bring you this, but it didn't garner the same amount of attention that John Lennon's murder did. You can look at the numbers. You can compare and contrast. You can see what the headlines were in the newspapers in in that time. It wasn't very long before Reagan's assassination attempt wound up being on the back page of 
the New York Post or whatever, but the investigation in John Lennon's was still very much prominent. So that kind of tells you, you know, where our priorities were back in that time. Kind of, it's just kind of weird to me. Well, the the thing with Lennon was, I, I I think it was such a shock on a you know global scale. I mean, I, I think people were still recovering when, when this happened to Reagan. The, if Reagan would have died, and I, I don't mean that uh, facetiously, if Reagan would have died, I, I think the 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 story would have been bigger than what it was. But here's the thing with Hinckley. I. I I don't do much research on Hinckley, but he used a 22. Okay, I don't know how familiar people are with guns, but a 22, while it's lethal, it, it doesn't put a hole in you like let's say like the size of a 44 would do. I number one, I don't get why Hinckley's walking around free. That, that bothers me, like huge bothers me. Uh, I, I don't even know where to go with this at this point because honestly, I thought Hinckley was still in prison until I, you know I, I looked it up here not too long ago. The the guys you know putting out artwork and books and this that and the other and people are feeding into it and you know giving this guy money and he I mean Reagan arguably I mean wow <laughs> wow it was uh, oh. Golly, Alex P. Keaton's favorite president. He was Alex P. Keaton's favorite president. I mean, arguably, he was one of the greatest presidents of all time. And while I don't know why there wasn't a bigger uproar when Hinckley got released, I, I'm, I'm actually kind of beside myself. I mean, and you got to keep in mind, too, Reagan was a huge actor, what, in the 50s and 60s as well, before he got into the presidency. So, yeah, Hinckley... I don't. This is going to sound really bad. I, I, I no. I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it. It's too controversial for power tripping through the '80s. I'm not going to say it. Okay. Um, but Hinckley is one of those guys where the the world really needed to turn their back to him instead of embracing him and helping him build his empire if you will i mean when you when you look him up online he's actually doing very well for himself for a guy that was in prison for all those years uh, fuck hinkley so i gotta yeah. say i mean for attempting to take out the president of the united states of america the most important man in the world the most important job in the world um yeah i was just doing a little bit more more research here jody foster was 18 years old when when this happened and she's only spoken publicly about this incident four times. And they're very calculated interviews because she did not want to be remembered as the actor. She didn't want this this moment to be her her defining you know staple of her life. Now she would go off and become a powerhouse in Hollywood to this day. We don't see her in a lot of movies nowadays, but she's very much a formidable force behind the scenes, producing, writing, and, and directing. Um, I think people will most um, associate her with Silence of the Lambs. 
with the movie that she did with Anthony Hopkins. Uh, but she's done a lot more than that, obviously. But that's like her her go to. I I gotta throw this out here. This is why I'm so disgusted and so wordless right now. As you were saying that about Jodie Foster, I decided to look up John Hinckley's net worth. Okay, mm-hmm. I want mm-hmm. you to keep this in mind. Okay. John Hinckley Jr.'s net worth is estimated between one million and five million dollars. And he has made such an amount of money of wealth from his primary career as a criminal. What in the actual fuck? How disgusting is that? What's the matter with this world? I I don't even have close to a million dollars in my bank account. What do I got? No, I'm not going to say that on the air. Uh, Next thing I know, I have Secret Service pounding on my door. But... Fact of the matter is, how can a man live as a millionaire when he attempted to take the life of the president of the United States, took the lives of two other gentlemen, and destroyed the life of a third? It's absolutely ridiculous. It is. Um, I'm I'm trying to find something. Trying to pull this up real quick while we're on the air here, won't we? We're we're gonna start wrapping this up here a little bit. Um, before I do, though, I want to uh, try to pull this up real quick. I'm surprised he hasn't put out a record album. This there in the hurry up offense. Third down four. Foreman. It'll be fourth down. So what this is, is this is um, the audio of Howard Cosell announcing the death of John Lennon. Um, It is the Patriots and the Dolphins that are playing on this particular game. I got those two teams way fucking wrong. No matter who wins or loses, an unspeakable tragedy confirmed to us by ABC News in New York City. John Lennon outside of his apartment building on the west side of New York City. The most famous, perhaps, of all of the Beatles. Shot twice in the back. Rushed to Roosevelt Hospital, dead on arrival. Hard to go back to the game after that. So, yeah, that was the announcement that the whole fucking world heard in terms of John Lennon um, being, being gunned down there. Um, I probably should have prepared a little bit better. I would have had uh, Reagan's up as well. However, you can imagine because of the amount of news coverage that went on, it would have been very difficult to to pinpoint one block of time that tells you exactly what's happening. (laughs) I'm just kind of looking through here and I'm looking at John Hinckley Jr.'s on YouTube. He's on CBS News apologizing for the assassination attempt of Reagan. In this case, I feel there is no such thing as rehabilitation. He's doing nothing but reaping the rewards, the fame and popularity of doing such an evil task. And I, oh man, 
This is going to make a great episode of the heat vent. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Uh, all, all sincerity. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying to blow smoke up your ass or anybody else's like that. I feel like that's going to be one of the more compelling topics that is covered on the heat vent. And like I said, stay tuned to all of our social media outlets for when that episode is going to drop. So there's that. Um, as we uh, start to put a bow on this week's show, Sean, is there anything else you want to add to this? I know it was a much heavier topic, but is there, is there anything else you, you want to touch on? You know, we, t- we, we, were, we threw out the uh, <laughs> idea of uh, baby Jessica, and I know we've talked about her in the past. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll eventually get to that. Um, Jessica's, you know, alive and well and doing her own thing and not killing presidents or not, not trying to assassinate singers. But, uh, you know, it's getting, I don't want to say it's getting harder and harder to come up with subjects to talk about. But we know we have our listeners. We know we have our audience. But we only have one or two of you interacting with us on the website. And more and more content is going up on between the Power Trip and through the 80s Facebook page and the PFC Entertainment Network Facebook page. Really would like you guys to uh, get your get, get your mouse directed to our, our Facebook pages as opposed to, you know, Grindr or those other apps. And, and give, give us a look. I mean, uh, fact of the matter is, we're pretty awesome guys. We're pretty entertaining. And, and we love doing this for you guys. But unfortunately, if there's no feedback, then what's the point in doing it for you guys? I, I'm not, you know, trying to blackmail you to get you guys to listen to us, but don't, don't get me wrong. I love conversing with Jason, and I like to think he likes conversing with me. But yeah, we can do, right. yeah, we we can do this over a telephone. We don't have to broadcast this for you guys. So there, there's a purpose behind this, and. We are doing this for you, our audience. So give us a little a little feedback. Let, let us know what you want to talk about. If you want on the show, it can be something that we can discuss. Uh, just get us on Facebook. Send us a message. Check out klaustotheheart.com. Yeah. Um, check out all the shows because we're here for you. We're not here for us. We're here for you. Absolutely. Could not have said it better. You know, I mean, if you, if we don't know what you want to listen to, we'll, I mean, look, I have a notebook on my desk right here that has all kinds of different shit that we could talk about. Some good, some bad, some happy, some sad. The, the eighties were 10 years of some of the most influential shit that's ever happened in the history of the world. But if we, if we're not talking about what you guys want to hear, uh, how how are we going to know unless you tell us? So you have these you have this capability to direct the show, to steer us in what direction we need to go in for your entertainment. Because um, like like Sean just said, we enjoy doing this. I look forward to this every Saturday. I look forward to our live events, but like, and I look forward to my conversations with him. But like he said, we, we could do this shit, you know, over the telephone or he comes over here. I go over there. We're playing video games or whatever. I mean, but we do this for you guys because 
There is a contingent of you that have let us know that you are enjoying what we're doing. So help us help you. <laughs> um, with that, we will go ahead and put a bow on this week's episode. We certainly appreciate everybody tuning in this week. Uh, you can find all of our contact information, all of our information over on Facebook. Look for Power Tripping Through the 80s, PFC Entertainment Network, or head over to KlausOfTheHeart.net. And a quick programming note, this coming Friday night, live on ONTV, the Klaus and Q Show uh, will have its next installment. We go on the air at 6 p.m. Head over to Facebook.com forward slash Orion ONTV. And I checked the weather, Sean, and it looks like it's not supposed to snow. So that's good. <laughs> Look, don't get your hopes up. You and Q are getting together. I mean, all hell can break loose. <laughs> story uh also one one last thing head over to the online store cafepress.com forward slash pfc network all kinds of brand new merchandise for all of our shows including a new store uh we've talked a little we've touched on a lot here this week on the heat vent they now have a their own store over there at our online shop so check that out for all of the latest gimmicks t-shirts hats hoodies shower curtains, bed sheets, dog mats. I mean, you name it, it's over there with all of the various logos and designs from all of our shows here on the network. Uh, with that, go out this week. Be awesome to yourselves and to each other. We'll see you right back here next Wednesday with a brand new episode of Power Tripping Through the 80s here on the PFC Entertainment Network. When I want to get new stuff to celebrate my favorite shows, there's only one place that I go to, and it's where you need to go to for all of the great merchandise from the PFC Entertainment Network. I go to the official online store, powered by CafePress.com. You can head on over to the official online store right now and see all of the latest t-shirts, hoodies, hats, coffee mugs, sippy cups, bed sheets, floor mats, and anything else that you can think of with the various logos and designs of all the great shows here on the PFC Entertainment Network, including Close to the Heart, The Real Podcast, Turnbuckle Time Machine, and even new merchandise for the Heat Vent. I'm not allowed to listen to that, my mom said, because Levi gets a little raw. But if I wanted new merchandise for the heat vent, there's only one place I go to that's where you need to go to, too. CafePress.com forward slash PFC Network, the official online store of the Pure Fury Creations Entertainment Network. <laughs>